not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Leaning Middle. I'm Eric. And I'm Brian. And today we're going to be taking a look at all of the antitrust lawsuits that are taking place against big tech right now. What it means for the future of big tech, what the government's role in these lawsuits are, and just why they're happening and what it might look like afterwards. Yeah, I think, you know, it's everybody kind of says the whole thing it's you know is it good for for us or bad for us to to break this up you know and when they deregulize uh the cable industry my my dad who uh was executive vice president cox cable for 30 years he will he will tell you that it destroyed the cable system and what is it going to do to big tech moving forward because right now you know for us we're in marketing Right yep. now, we go to one platform and we can buy three of them. Now, all of a sudden, if this gets broken up, we're going to be on different platforms and they're all going to have different um, reach values and, and impression values and and um, different types of, of marketing technology that they're going to be able to, to use. But so the question is, in, in my opinion, is it good to have big tech or is it does it need to be broken up? It is it is interesting because antitrust is one of the, you know the few times that the government is really intervening hard on the private sector you know in the capitalist system so it, it's surprising when they take place because the last time this happened was um, I think when Staples tried to buy Office Max so they shut that down in two thousand and three and then prior to that it was Microsoft which ultimately did get broken up so. Yeah. It is, it's surprising, you know, it, it doesn't happen too often. And when it does, you kind of got to stop and say, is, is this right? Is this wrong? You know, how does this reflect on the free market? And I think in terms of big tech, there's just so many areas that people never considered. You know, it was one thing to say like, yeah, Staples and Office Max would create a monopoly. But then when you look at what does big tech really have a monopoly on? And it gets really weird when you start to realize, oh, it's people's data. You know, it's it's what where why why is the government so interested in big tech right now and the privacy concerns and how all these different platforms that are linked by the same companies share data and why that data is then so powerful shared in the same ecosystem and what that does in terms of competition. Well, and I have I have a mixed feeling on this because I think that the reason that, that we're having part of the this antitrust issue right now is the politicians are tired of the um, section two. Is it 203 or 230? 230. I think, 230. I think they're tired of, of being just completely pummeled and big tech just st- sitting back going, Hey, listen, this is what people are saying on our platform. We're not responsible for it. That's exactly. stop being idiots if you don't want people talking bad about you. 
And I think that's where some of this is stemming from, because you have some very powerful political figures that are really have driven this movement, in, in my opinion. Now, as far as the data goes, I'm conflicted on that because, you know, I look at it a couple different ways. Number one, if you break this up and your data starts getting broken up, you have less control over that than you do of one mega company um, having control of this because it's easier to manage one than it is several. And, And you can, when you have one that is so big and under so much scrutiny, it is harder for them to slip things past. When you have a bunch of small ones, then you're going to have some bad apples in there and you're going to have a few um, small companies that, that will come into play that will abuse the data information that is semi-protected mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now. So, and, and here's what people need to understand. And, and my wife and I, We're talking about this today because she had a complete meltdown about privacy settings on Facebook and who could see their posts and, or her posts. And she doesn't want everybody to see it and and everything else. And, and, you know, it led to the conversation of data. And if there's one thing that we just need to accept that people don't really want to accept is it's out there. Yes, exactly. it, there's you're not getting it back and and I think that's what we found in the great hack was uh, one of the the speakers on there said the cat is out of the bag you you're not the guy that was suing um, Cambridge Analytica said I'm not going to get it back I know I'm not going to get my data back I just want to yeah. know what it's being used for I think there's a legitimate movement for I want to be aware of what my data is doing but my gosh, I mean, you use facial recognition on your phone, your iPad, um, yeah. you use your your fingerprints um, to, to get granted access to things. And the Patriot Act gave them gave the government access to all of that. You know, it, it's not yeah. even like it's not even like a, a secret, but I kind of challenged the thought process because I think you're right in that aspect. But in terms of antitrust, I think what they're suing over isn't, you know, Facebook or Google is too big to fail. It's that they're starting to hold monopolies in advertising where the data that is being collected from Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp is being shared and making their ads platform so effective that and they're not allowing any other people to advertise within that ecosystem that they've now created a vacuum where you know somebody let's say they want to start their own ad service and place ads on different websites around around the web nobody's going to be able to compete with the data that's being collected by somebody like google because of the market share that they hold you know so that in my opinion is a monopoly the digital advertising but now we get into to a conversation that's a little bit more in our wheelhouse, which is, would you rather have data that is provided to a marketer to put at a, uh, to maximize your ad spend, to get it right in front of the people who it is most relevant to, or a broad shoot of it so that I'm into, I don't want to be on Facebook and get ads for uh, women's products or yeah. For I'm bald. I, I have no hair. I don't want shampoo ads, mm-hmm. you know, or, um, you know, 
I want things that I want ads that are given to me that are relevant. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say, I don't want ads that targeting me. I don't want them following me. I don't want yeah. any of this stuff. Well, then you're going to get a bunch of crap put in front of you. That a lot is of people not relevant also don't to realize you. how native advertising is. So it's like even the videos that are being played and suggested for you on YouTube or on Facebook, it's like, that's part of your ads algorithm. You know, the content yeah. that you're enjoying that's being served to you is also being used to serve you ads. So it's like when you turn off all those specification things to protect yourself from advertising, you're devaluing arguably the best part of these social media systems, which is the content that can be automatically recommended for you. Again, whether that's healthy or not is a totally other debate. But in my mind, if I'm on YouTube, I'd rather have videos suggested to me that I am going to be interested in. And it's funny. It's, it's amazing how effective it is. You know, you, I've gone down rabbit holes where I'm watching, you know, clips about video games and due to a search I made on Google about something I get recommended camping videos and then all of a sudden I'm down a rabbit hole of people who live in vans and camp all over the world and you're just like wow it's kind of handy having all of this information yeah. in an ecosystem because I'm able to find things that are entertaining to me so there's yeah. positives and negatives to it 100%. The, the problem is the problem is about two hours later you're sitting there going oh, I forgot to eat dinner yeah, I, right. I should, I should tell, I need to get out of this, this rabbit hole, but you know, and I've been there's, watching there's six techniques. hours of QAnon content, I should... <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it really gets to a point where you, you kind of go, yes, I understand that advertising is commerce and it drives small business and, and online business and, and everything else. And, and when you, when you kind of look at it and you go, listen, it, it, it's going to be there. It might as well be stuff that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And, but for, for people to say that, you know, Facebook and uh, Google are creating monopolies. Well, yeah, that's, that's what they do. And, you know, here's the thing about it, it in this lawsuit that they, they put, it is, it's put here that um, alleges that the company bought, competitors illegally and in predatory manner mm -hmm. okay listen when you look at it from a business standpoint you build businesses up to sell that that's and what you do they bought instagram for a billion dollars and at the time people were like that's a lot of money for instagram you know it's like yeah in hindsight yeah it was a bargain because of what they did with it you know, I'm less familiar with the WhatsApp acquisition, so that might have been right. more predatory. But from my knowledge of the Instagram one, it just kind of seems like, yeah, that that that's the move you want to make. You you offer a price that is fair to a competitor to get them in their wheelhouse because you like what they're doing. Well, and and when you have enough money to do what these guys are doing, you know, Apple has a a billion dollars in cash yeah. sitting there. Um, you know, Facebook can can basically write a check for however much they want. Amazon, mm -hmm. same thing. I mean, that's the, yep. the one thing they're not talking about here is Amazon. And my gosh, if you want to talk about predatory <laughs> manner, I yeah. mean, but they're actually what... concerning when you like start to get down on the brass tacks of these antitrust oh, yeah. things is like, because I, I don't even really know an area of my life that they're not involved in right now because they have... You know, they're hosting the 
cloud servers, you know, that <laughs> we use every single day, right down mm-hmm. to, you know, ordering things. And they, uh, don't they, they have, own like, they have their own surprising companies too. Like, I think they own, is it Uber or Lyft or one of the two? They're, it's just like, they're getting their hands into everything. World, everything uh, not world market, um, uh, market, uh, gosh, what is it? Not, not fresh market. Uh, um, yeah. Whole Foods. <laughs> Whole Foods, that's what it was. Whole Foods. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, that's a perfect example of it's like, oh, wow, that's a weird acquisition. You know, and it's like, right. when I start to see, like, that's a weird acquisition, it's like, ooh, this might be world domination. Right. Because they clearly know something that we don't. <laughs> but, you know, and I listen to Guy Raz, and he does a podcast called um, How How They Built This or How You Built This. And they talked to the guys that did uh, Instagram. And listen, these guys did it with zero dollars. I mean, they literally mm-hmm. built this thing on borrowed things and on card tables in the living room of a one bedroom apartment. And most tech companies get started with an idea like that. Uh, yeah. Facebook did. It, it started in the dorm room. You know, yeah. it, these guys aren't starting companies with all this. Now they're getting VC cash and they're getting Mm-hmm. Um, you know, investors and everything else now, but Instagram started with zero. They sold it for a billion dollars. That is not predatory. <laughs> that yeah. is capitalism at its best right there. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things where if you're buying a company like that, a predatory manner is either you sell to us at this price or we will destroy you. And you take it away is... any, any option other than that. It is funny, though, because, like, there is – I remember when Facebook tried to acquire Snapchat, I think it was, and Snapchat came back and was like, yeah, no, and Facebook was like, all right, here's stories, here's this, here's – you know, and just launched every single thing that Snapchat had. They did it on Instagram. They copied it completely to be like, here's stories, here's chat, here's, you know, all these private functions – uh, here's the ability to send photos that automatically disappear and get screenshot notifications. And you're just like, wow, that was bold, <laughs> you know? So I can see where it's coming in now, but I think the flip side is, you know, when the monopolies, when antitrust laws were put into place, it was because of the, you know, the huge industrial revolution, boom, the oil companies, the railroad companies, the energy companies, steel production, Carnegie, Rockefeller, big names like that. And it's like, we just haven't really seen the economy get to a point where companies of that size were possible anymore, you know, because every industry was regulated to a degree until tech came along, which nobody really understood. And I think it was one of the first industries in a while that was younger than the people who were in office. You know, so they had no idea how to handle these things as tech kind of grew and be, got, became out of control because, you, you know, all you have to do is listen to one of these hearings with Google or Facebook where, you know, these senators on these hearings act like Google is literally some dude in a room who's like manually sorting these results and doesn't understand that these are algorithmically um, produced functions. So. The disconnect is there, and I think that's what's allowed some of these tech companies to balloon up to these sizes that are unbelievable. You know, I think if hindsight was 2020, Google never should have gotten to become the size that it has and has the reach and power it does on the internet. 
Um, it's, there's not many brands that I can say I interact with at least 50 times a day, but Google is probably the number one, whether I'm telling it to turn on my lights, whether I'm getting notifications from my calendar, you know, whether I'm just searching something on the internet that's powered by Google is it is omnipresent. And I think a misunderstanding of what it did and what it was trying to do really did allow it to become a monopoly. Yeah. And, but here's the, the flip side of that. It's, you know, is it in the best interest of us to have everything broken up? That is what I'll totally agree with you there. I think it's great, but you know, the question becomes, yes, it's really convenient and yes, it would really screw up, you know, our, our livelihoods and just lives in general for a few years if we did break it up. But is the alternative having a future where every single service in our lives is controlled by Amazon, Google, or Facebook, you know, and if we don't take steps for that now, we're starting to already see that happen. You know, Amazon is acquiring grocery stores and what, you know, when Whole Foods, they perfect that method, they're going to buy another one and another one, you know, and Google's going to continue to expand into, especially when robotic cars become a thing, you know, these tech companies are smart and are ahead of the curve. So they know what's coming where, you know, a lot of people want to act like green energy is never going to take off. Well, you know, there's a clock on that, but when it does, I was just going to say when these do, when these industries do take this hard left turn that are going to be completely dependent upon tech, when blockchain and green energy are the focus, you know, focus of, emerging industries we're going to see it even loophole even pigeonhole even more into these tech giants so i think it's convenient but i think in our best interest of the country and capitalism as a whole they do need to be broken up well but you you kind of you mentioned it and and i think you hit it on the the head here is you know these tech companies are ahead of the curve and you know they're figuring things out and they're they're kind of driving this progression and everything else well what makes all of that possible capitalism the ability to to do that it's it's cash like you have to pay to to get advancements to to r&d these things to to develop them you take the cash portion away from this i mean when they broke up ma bell into the seven little baby bells that that it, it did it destroyed the the progression that the phone was doing and they're now estimating that uh high speed internet was delayed because of the broken uh breaking up of ma bell because Hmm. they were developing the technology and they had the resources to move us in that direction it just blows me away i hope comcast or uh link don't have that same technology because they should just funnel it into their customer service (laughs) (laughs) customer service and technology advancements are not the same thing (laughs) clearly (laughs) but but, you know that to me that's that's where you have to really go okay do we want to progress or do we are we more interested in breaking this up and giving people options that they're not exactly asking for no nobody is saying i want another uh, social media platform for me to be able to jump on. 
like uh, what you, does... may, we might not but i like you just said there's probably millions tens of millions of conservatives who want that you know we're seeing well, the rise of parlor right now which is probably going to be short-lived just based off of the fact that i think it's a front for a foreign intelligence agency but besides all of that i think there is a desire for one to enter the marketplace okay so so let's take parlor let's just imagine parlor gets massively um popular facebook comes in and buys it okay what what is the harm of facebook having parlor it would now have to abide by all of Facebook's rules. So the freedom of expression that Parler lobbies it towards its, uh, subscri- not subscribers, its traffic, I guess, its members is now gone. Well, what if it doesn't have to abide by Facebook's rules anymore? What if they, because Instagram, you don't have to abide by Facebook principles instagram is a completely do, different though, platform on advertising you do on, because you're on launching advertising it, you're launching it from the same dashboard right so but, you're going to be served the same kind of content because again you know you start to think of your ad standards end up lining up pretty much with your standards of use okay but that's back end for you and i the end user won't won't necessarily experience that they have will be impacted it it could be impacted but what advancements could facebook bring to parlor well it's hard to say you know it could obviously make the user experience a lot cleaner it could give a lot of new functionalities but you know i think so much of what makes parlor attractive to this audience is the fact that it is not connected to big tech that it is small tech and kind of grassroots because they view it as some kind of evil or liberal agenda if you will okay so parlor is is one app that is is playing in this this field and there's a ton of other apps but yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see how breaking up facebook is going to progress people or our society forward in a matter or in a manner that it can't right now. In in fact, I think it will slow the progression down and, you know, I don't know. It's, I look at it from the capitalism side. I look at it from, um, you know, free enterprise side. This is, this is exactly what businessmen dream of to build one so big that you can go in and buy competitors and, and build yourself up into a leverage machine and provide the biggest company, be one of the biggest companies in the world. I mean, yeah, that yeah. that's what, that's what you get into business for. There's, there's nobody that really gets into business that goes, you know what? I'm good with just doing this in my garage. But, you know, I say the counterpoint to it again is okay. Yes. But let's look at Amazon for example, I think Facebook, a case can be made for it not being broken up. That's a lot easier because it has to do, it gets really into the weeds of why they're mad at Facebook. I think you're right. There's a big piece of it that people are frustrated with the conservative uh, not having as loud of a voice because it's a minority in discussion. But if you look at something like Amazon, where 
Jeff Bezos, you know, now like the workforce that he controls, you know, Amazon warehouses, Amazon cloud computing, um, fulfillment, his own delivery, Whole Foods. He now has the ability to do things like union bust. You know, there's a huge anti-union movement in the Amazon workforce for bettering in workplace conditions, for, you know, pay living wages and pay and for the Darwinian kind of way he has the workforce operate is problematic and if left unchecked he can continue to basically use the masses to manipulate and make himself richer while using loopholes that are necessary to you know take advantage of the working class the blue collar and that's kind of where if we see monopolies continue to expand that's what we're potentially facing is you know when they start to jut out of big tech or when big tech starts to envelop more and more industries it could be very weird, you know, in the coming decade that the biggest employer in the United States will probably be Amazon with, you know, a subsidiary company. We already see that with Walmart now. So it's, yes, I get that it's a good idea in terms of keeping these companies together so they can continue to innovate. But in terms of just breaking them up to where they're allowed to set their own standards and they don't have to abide by a specific company culture, you might actually be taking, you know, the foot off of some people's necks in terms of the demand for performance and innovation and the cutthroat environment and allow people to just be creative again. You know, who knows what the creators of Instagram could have gone on to do to innovate on that Instagram platform if they didn't make that decision to sell. And now it's becoming man, it's not even a decision to sell. These people know that they're not going to be able to compete with Facebook, so they get dangled a billion dollars. They're going to take that any day of the week. And that, in turn, could be killing the creativity they could have come up with if they had the potential to actually grow and compete with you know, one-eighth of Facebook rather than the entire entity that is Facebook. Yeah, but I'll counter that with when you're the small guy and you're battling, you, you take more risks you take more you do it drives the creativity it drives the inspiration and so you know having these big giants out there i mean walmart you you brought up walmart they were the big giant and and they were you know they still are a huge giant but amazon has come in and is really putting a, a hurt on walmart and they're really impeding on overcoming walmart for that but Amazon started as a small company, but they used ingenuity, they used drive, they used aggression to, to do that. And, and I think if you break up the, the big dog in the fight, then it takes some of the fight out of the little guys. And I have to just make the caveat of saying, yes, they use the drive and determination of all of that, but they also use the blood, sweat, and tears of taking advantage of an enormous amount of people who had no other option but to be employed by them, you know, with horrible working conditions to the point where people are protesting and people are passing out on the floor. It's, it is, it's important to note, you know, when these monopolies like they're built and get to the size that they are mainly by taking advantage of those who, yeah, you might make the case that they're choosing to work there and they have every right to quit. But, you know, we know the realities of having a job in America, right? Sometimes you don't have the right to quit. Yeah. So that's my biggest caveat is, yes, you know, but it wasn't Jeff Bezos's pure grit. 
I think up to no. a point it absolutely was, but it gets to a point where you're like, ooh, are they manipulating the working class more than they're actually creating or innovating? You know, I don't know. I don't know. So, it's, it's so maybe in, maybe instead of breaking them up, you you focus more on providing good solid working conditions or or increasing the the working Minimum. conditions of it because you know the the more money these guys make the more they they should be able to pay um Very but true. the the other side of the the coin is you know what what good are these companies doing too what initiatives are they using to further humanity's causes or social causes or to um take advantage of um their resources to have an impact on social causes or injustices or um, situations. You know, Amazon, they're marketing right now like crazy on the um, renewable energies and the carbon footprint and, and those types of things. They, as a company, will probably make more progress and green energy and movement in that direction than our government is going to be able to make. Yeah. Yeah. So at, at what point do you go, well, you know what, they're, they're doing good. They might not have the best working conditions, but they're making an impact and they're doing good. I'm, I'm not saying that, that I believe in that, but I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. kind of no, throwing out yeah. another, another point of view, but well, absolutely. Who knew that got the a... antitrust was going to get, Exactly. It is. It's it's an incredibly complex situation. And I think, you know, a lot of people might read about the headlines and not really think about, you know, the depths of how this could impact our lives moving forward. You know, us in digital marketing, but just the regular population as is, you know, it might be it might be very smooth on the front end. But on the back end, this is going to have some ripples across the fabric of society as we know it. I know I. I, for one, will be very frustrated and angry at the government or, or these attorney generals if I have to get up out of bed and go turn my lights off instead of just telling Google to do it. Oh, yeah. I don't think they'll ever get rid of that because then they can listen to our <laughs> conversations. That, that's true. That's true. <laughs> they just want to make sure that fake news gets spread easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we appreciate everybody's time. Um, again, it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right, as long as we're all leaning towards the middle and, and having, uh, constructive conversations, uh, that is the, the point. So, uh, go ahead, Derek. I was going to say, yeah, we look forward to, uh, exploring the common ground with you on the next episode and make sure to, uh, like subscribe, uh, share this with all of your friends, families, casual acquaintances, anybody you pass on the street and, uh, Definitely follow us on Twitter at leaning underscore middle. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Yep. And definitely pay attention and and tune in because there are some developments and changes coming down the, the pipe for leaning middle. Absolutely.